This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 15 Minutes of Football podcast, where topics are discussed in approximately 15 minutes, and you have four of them, as ever. Um, Jordan is with me. I am indeed back again, and uh, it's certainly Euro's fever now, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is going to be Euro set. There's been a lot going on in terms of transfer speculation, in terms of in terms of managerial speculation. But I feel, I feel like that needs to be left on the back burner slightly with these podcasts now because big tournaments coming up. Also, hopefully next week when the Euros are going ahead, we'll have a bit of a look at Copper America as well. But that's a yeah. tournament that's in a bit of disarray at the moment. Uh, so Absolutely this is primary yeah. focus. Covid crisis has uh, left it a little bit. Under the wraps for now, hasn't it? I mean, I think it will go ahead, but it's it's had a little bit of controversy attached to it. With I mean, Brazil, in, in, interestingly, uh, threatening to to not play at one point. So exactly. we'll have to see what happens there. I thought it was mad actually that they were thinking of rescheduling to go to Brazil when we've seen the whole way of Brazil, how Brazil's handled COVID. Yeah. It shows you know, it's madness, got no no clue whatsoever what he's doing, but maybe one for next week. That's for another. That's for that's for another podcast that I do. Um, <laughs> Anyway, back onto those four topics. Discussing approximately 15 minutes. Need to really put a banner at the start of that to clarify uh, for branding purposes, but um, strong branding purposes. Did a big marketing meeting this week. Doesn't really matter to anyone else, but it matters to me. Um, first two topics, really going to look at England primarily. That's the whole, that's the topic of focus. It's the topic that everyone's talking about at the moment. If you're an England fan in England, or generally if you, even if you're not an England fan, if you're just born in England or, or raised in England. I think everyone gets a little bit excited with these kind of tournaments. We're going to have a look at the squad and what we think of it. Then we're going to have a look at expectations. How should England be doing? What will England do? Uh, in our second topic, in our third topic, we're going to have a look at the groups more generally, see you know which groups are looking good, which groups are looking competitive or less competitive. Then in the fourth one, it's going to be just a general roundup of what we think might happen. Who's going to win? Who's going to disappoint the most? It may be more than one team. Who's going to surprise more than surprise any of us? Uh, if anyone yeah, is going individual to players as well, golden boot possibilities. Exactly. I've got a few in mind. Yeah, so that's going to be a, a, a sort of general look at predictions. You can look back with the crystal ball and see how that all went. But first, we'll go on to the England squad selection. Now that seems like a lifetime ago, but there has been one change since that squad happened. Before we mm-hmm. touch on that, general squad. Personally, Jordan, I thought the majority of the squad, 24, 23 of it, I was very happy, you know, quite content with, you know, and I thought considering everyone has their own opinion on an England squad, I think I saw about eight pundit predict squads and disagreed with all of them. It just shows (laughs) it's impossible really to get a squad that everyone loves. So I was quietly happy with the initial Gareth Southgate squad, because it was a squad I thought, barring one or two names, was a pretty good squad. I I agree. I don't think that there was many surprises, which I think is quite a good thing, really, when you're looking at an England squad like that, because you you don't really want to be surprised. You want the people that you think are going to get picked to get picked. I mean, I just say there's maybe one or two that I I would put a question mark over. Uh, But yeah, overall, I'm quite happy with the squad, and I think it's one of the more competitive combinations that he could have picked what did you think of the four right back scenario well that was really interesting wasn't it because I mean when we recorded the podcast last week so this is last Monday so the the day before we actually announced his 26 month squad 
we were quite uh, quite confident that mm. Trent Alexander-Arnold wouldn't be selected uh, mm. because, I mean, there's quite a lot of journalists that were running with that story. It was uh, heavily in the news for the week before. And then suddenly we get to Tuesday and Trent Alexander-Arnold gets picked. Much yeah. to our surprise. Uh, yeah. So I can... It's a tough one, really, because there was no need to really pick four right-backs, but when the right-backs are... <laughs> It is by far the strongest position England has. It kind of kind of makes sense, particularly when, as we mentioned last week, both James and Walker could play as a centre-back, could play as a wing-back. Trent could maybe even go further forward and he's maybe more of a, a good plan B off the bench as well. I think it kind of made sense, but I'd have gone with a centre-back over him. You know what? I, I was doing, you know, while I was at, at work, uh, maybe not doing work, I decided to go on Twitter and have a go at, at putting together what I thought was a really exciting progressive um, team with that squad. I don't know if you saw it, but a lot of people seem to agree with me. It happens a lot, really. Um, but we had uh, Reese James, and it, and it had it was a, it was a three back three setup, but fluid. So what you'd have is Reese James as a right centre back, and Trent Alexander Arnold as a right wing back. But then it, it can work in lots of different ways. The fluidity means Reece James goes over to right back and Trent Alexander-Arnold goes inside into a number eight position, which is something we've discussed before as possibly something that will be quite effective. He played as a midfielder in his uh, days as in Liverpool's youth setup. Um, alternatively, you've got a system where Trent Alexander-Arnold can move a little bit back into a right back position and then Reese James can become a spare man in the midfield. Reese James yeah, played in midfield played for Wigan. In midfield more recently, yeah. And when you look at it like that, I think Glenn Hoddle, um, and I've touched on this, when Glenn Hoddle was talking about his England squad, he said it has to be fluid. And he did a setup and he had Sterling at left wing back. Everyone's going, that doesn't work. But what he was trying to say was that was when they were out of possession. And when they were in possession, mm-hmm. it shifted to a formation we're more like the look of, if you get me. Yeah. And generally, I think most of the top managers do do formations like that do have setups that change whether you're in possession or out of possession and obviously can change as well to how the opposition is playing so I I, I actually agreed with that I don't I, one thing I may be less certain of is Trent Alexander-Arnold in midfield it, it mm. used to be something that I like the idea of and the idea of it as, as I say it makes sense because that maybe number eight is one of the weaker positions in the England squad that there may be more box-to-box central midfield player at least and then right back is the strongest, so it kind of made sense to to push one of them forward. But yeah, I would probably say Reese James over Trent. But the fact that you have them both, it would be quite effective, I think. Yeah, and also, like I said, it, it is the fluidity of it. So you've got different ways of attacking it. You can actually do a three-four-three where Alexander Arnold. It literally is a three-four-three. He is a a man really far wide using the width and the, and the advanced position to his advantage. And then the three is in place, def- ready to defend in, in, a, in an organised manner. But then you can break that formation. And, and like you say, it's not just a 3-4-3, three, three, it's a 4-3-3. Three, three, and that depends on, and you can play with Trent Alexander-Arnold, you can play with Reese James because they're very adaptable footballers, both technically yeah. very, very good. And, and I, I do think that Southgate had something like this in mind with his selection, particularly at centre-back. Because I think the only reason that he selected Connor Cody and, and I say Tyro Ming to the same to the same extent is because they can go into a back three. And if we do go into a back three, then Connor Cody's played as a central central defender in a back three for the last five seasons. And then Tyro Mings is the only left-footed centre back that Southgate sees as good enough at least. Uh, and can play as the left centre back along with Harry Maguire, who's mm. potentially injured. Yeah, well, yeah. 
you know, I, 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 I drafted up that idea with Alexander Arnold and James, and then shortly after Alexander Arnold got ruled out for the tournament, so all my mm-hmm. good work had been put to waste. However, <laughs> um, there is also method with the other players. For example, Walker often finds himself in a midfield position at Manchester City, plays as a right centre-back for England, very versatile footballer, also a brilliant right-back. Kieran Trippier as well is a right wing back, very good technically on the ball, tenacious in the tackle. Wouldn't think yeah. of him as a right centre back, but because certainly I've actually speculated, even when he was at Burnley, that this guy could play in central midfield to a point because he's got the attributes. Yeah. Um, so again, I don't think it's necessarily tailored to not having Alexander Arnold in the squad, but losing Alexander Arnold after all the furore of getting him in does feel like a bit of a blow, doesn't it, to 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 not have him within the within the ranks. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the few players who you could maybe put into that world-class category. And because of that, it's obviously going to be a blow. But, I mean, we, we spoke about it last week. It's not the biggest hit because the yeah. right-back position is one of the strongest in the world uh, for England. Uh, it, it's just re- really, there's so much strength in depth. I mean, there's, we're, we're leaving three or four really good right-backs at home who, who weren't ever, ever in the conversation. I mean, the likes of Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who, who were also very good. So it's it's not the biggest blow. And it also means we can bring in another centre-back. But obviously, you'd prefer to have Trent Alexander-Arnold with the squad. Yeah, so Ben White's come in. Personally, and I, I did tweet this, on paper, really, it made sense to bring James Ward-Prowse in because I thought he did a really good job. I thought he was one of the best players, actually, against Romania. It wasn't a big choice or pool to pick from, but he did really well. He's played every 90 minutes this season, so you know he's fit. You know he gets about the pitch. You know he works hard. You know he can deliver a killer ball. However... The reason why I think he went for Ben White is twofold. One, I think that Harry Maguire's injury is probably a bit more serious than maybe it, it, it could have been or was maybe hoped. And secondly, I think not that that's not alone a reason to go for the centre-back because you've got two centre-backs to cover Harry Maguire. But I think the reason that he's calling for White is because neither Cody nor Mings, particularly Mings, strike you as someone who you could, fit in as a replacement like for like for Maguire mm-hmm. um, Cody like you said is, is primarily a, a, in the, the centre of a back three and in a back four you'd worry about his pace and Tyrone yeah, Mings probably brought him because he's a left footer to our balance to the centre back position does look a bit uncomfortable playing a more expansive kind of game at Aston Villa it's a little bit more protected with Conson next to him Louise and McGinn in front of him target narrow inside and Amy Martinez commanding when you take that comfort blanket away it does look not look as effective and it's and many people said it you know when when the squad was announced I said I was very happy with 23 or 24 names but the lack of a at the time a Ben Godfrey or a Tamori who didn't even yeah. get a look in yeah. Uh, who was in fantastic form, plays, can play as a left-side or centre-back as well for Milan. Touted as a brilliant signing, at, you know, at €28 million, Euros, I think they practically yeah. robbed Chelsea there because he's a fantastic young defender. No one's saying he should have been starting, but certainly when you look at the other names, it's mind-boggling that he, Godfrey, weren't involved. But Lifeline for White suggests that Southgate maybe did get it a little bit wrong with those backup choices for Maguire. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, we questioned it again. We've questioned it for mm. weeks now about those two in particular, Mings and Cody. I think they're they're good friends and I think they're quite good with the group. So it 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 wasn't too much of a surprise that they got picked. I mean, you're, you're questioning that. We pretend say. to be good friends, but I wouldn't call us up for the English. <laughs> well, no, absolutely not. I think we'd be good for morale as well. But 
Uh, Me. Yeah, we, we, should be, we should be really good it's on that. It's all about personality for Morello. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. No, yeah. so I still have question marks over the two, and I think I'm glad that Ben White has been called up because I think if he does go with a back four and Maguire's injured, I'd rather see Ben White in, in mm. the back four than either of the other two. And, I mean, Leeds play a really high line. They play this expansive football. And I think that that better suits the Eng- the way England play than than Mings and uh, Connor Cody in a but, back four. But obviously, White for Brighton primarily on the on the yeah. right side and centre back position. Yeah, well, it's so, the same with John Stones as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, cent- yeah, John Stones is more centre centre back, though, isn't he? Like sweeper passer, isn't he? More than I think. yeah. I, I think in a back three, John Stones would be the central centre back. He was at the World Cup, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Uh, Maguire with was on the left. Maguire's left. That's why it's such a an interesting one with Maguire injured is because it is that left centre-back position that seems to be the issue. And In a four or a say, three. I, exactly. And as you say, it, it seems like Tyro Mings is the only option. And that's well, one but he wasn't. Actually, Tamori was and, and Godfrey yeah. was. Yeah, well, that's I was just about to mention. Godfrey was in the, the, the original like kind of reserve squad. And I'm surprised that he didn't choose him over Ben White. Not because he's necessarily a better player. I think they're probably quite similar calibre. But Ben Godfrey's played as a left-back. He's played as a left centre-back. And I just think that for that alone, he maybe should have been the one that was chosen. But as I say, I, I like Ben White as a player. It's just, can he play on that left centre-back if, if he's called upon? Yeah, I think, yeah, generally, it, to me, this squad really, it does, it's a very, it's a squad really that, was generally quite well picked, but there is an obvious gaping hole at centre back that I, that I think is it was quite striking actually. And I, as mm-hmm. I say, I was shocked that it was almost taken for granted that Maguire would would get back into the team, and he hasn't. And now there's a panic, and it look it does look to me like a bit of a panic. Uh, and obviously Jordan Henderson as well didn't come fit, but he did get 45 minutes under his belt against Romania. He did miss a penalty, but I suppose fitness is more. He stole it from Calvert Lewin as well. But fitness is probably more important for him yeah. at this stage, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Roy Keane questioned it a lot, didn't he? Why mm. Why has he picked Henderson? Because like, he's not played in three months, is it? It's it mm. a long time to be without football to suddenly jump into a, a major tournament. Although, having said that, if there's any player that can do that, I think it's Jordan Henderson. I think he's the kind of player that would be able to get back up to the pace. Mm. To me... I do look at the squad and I do think it's it's uh, this will sort of take ties onto the expectations topic. I think generally it's a well picked squad, but I do think that again, other than in the World Cup of 2018, it ha- it seems to happen all the time. There is an overhyping, and I do think mm-hmm. that um, particularly there's only one player for me in his absolute prime at this moment. That's Harry Kane, and he's a world class yeah. performer who is at the top of his game, everyone should be terrified of him if, if you're an opposition defender. But the others, Phil Foden's still very young, doing really well, but still very young, still relatively new to international experience. Grealish, another novice at international level, really had some good performances, pro- should probably start against Croatia, yeah, no, given how he's played. Um, but generally, the, the age of this team is very, very young. Um, many of them, and obviously it's always nice and exciting to have lots of young talents coming on the field, but when you compare it to uh, more experienced, regimented teams like France, who's got the youth and the experience and those in the prime and Portugal and others like that, I, think I do it is think... the youngest squad in the tournament, mm. going by average age, I think it is the youngest squad. Mm. 
So, so you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, there'll probably be one or two that are, that are probably younger. I mean, Sweden's got a very young squad now, aren't they, as well? But I would think that there is so much overhyping, but that you forget how little experience a lot of these guys have. And it's one of those where almost the press kill you before you've gone out, because as we're going to touch on in a second, when it comes to expectations, it could be a really difficult draw for England if they actually do go and win the group, like many do, because yeah. the two the teams they could be up against are flat track bullies in international tournaments. Well, maybe not Portugal, but the they have just won the Euro. The tournament tree has not been kind at all. No, but generally, just just on a level, then in summary to that squad selection thing, even though. In about two weeks, if it all goes wrong, Gareth Southgate will get blamed heavily for the one or two players he didn't oh, bring. Absolutely. 90%, 95% of it. He didn't leave any big names out. He didn't leave any players who everyone was clambering for out. He brought Grealish. He brought Sancho. Uh, they were being Picked clambered Trent. for. Picked Alexander-Arnold. Picked Saka as well, which was considered yeah. to be quite a can't, Yeah, you can't really question the selection too much. That, as, as we've said, there's a couple of holes that um, could have maybe done better, but... It's it's pretty much the best he could have done without without causing any major controversies. I agree. Okay, so on to expectations then, and this is sort of as I say, sort of touched on it there. Are you more of an optimist than me? More pessimistic? Similar level? What? Where? Where's the? Where's the? Uh, well, go on. What are your expectations? Um, well, we'll touch on this again in part three more. But England, if they win the group, which I think they might do, simply because. I'm not thinking they're going to win every game in the group because I actually think Scotland could surprise a few because they've got a very good, a decent McTominay, Tierney, collectivity with quite a bit of Premier League individual quality dispersed mm-hmm. across it. And you don't usually, you, we're not renowned to seeing that with Scotland. Um, and the ones that aren't Premier League quality, they've got a lot. They, you know, full of great determination and experience. David Marshall, what a phenomenal keeper he's been over the years, especially for yeah. Cardiff. Wonderful goalkeeper, did brilliant did heroics in the in the shootout as well uh, to get them to get Steve Clark's men in this position. Um, he, yeah, I, I I don't think it's necessarily as easy as people might think on paper, but I do think in international tournaments, it, unlike club football, where, where there's so much emphasis on philosophies and and intricate systems, I do think a lot of the time international tournaments it's about well, obviously it's about grit, wanting it, determination, but it's also about having individual quality players the on there players. that can come up, do things and, and, and win games on the we've seen it. We we've seen it for many years. There's always one or two individuals on teams that just turn up and do it. Spain, when they dominated, were a bit of an exception. They were beautiful, weren't they? It was like Barcelona on the international yeah. stage. Well, but, well that's exactly that's it. It was practically Barcelona on an international yeah. stage with a, with a couple of world class Real Madrid players yeah. tied in. So it, that that as you say that was a, a, an exception, but yeah, generally I think that the better the quality in the squad, the better the team does, which kind of is quite obvious. obvious. Yeah, um, yeah, as you say, it, it's almost better for us to come second in the group uh, if yeah. we're looking at how how far we're going to go in the tournament. Because as you say, again, if we if we do win the tournament, then we have to play second in second from the group of death, which uh, yeah. is France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary. Now, yeah, so Hungary, Hungary maybe. Hungary maybe not maybe one we'd be happy to play the round of sixteen, but the other three would be perhaps my three favourites for the tournament. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, they are you know a, a remarkably, uh, yeah, that's a remarkable group. It's a remarkable group, and the fact that the third place going through is really vital in that, really, um, because 
whether they did, whether UEFA would have put that together, I don't know how it worked. But whether they did have put that group together, had third place not been given a chance yeah. to go through, I don't That'd know. They called the ball in that. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think yeah, it for me there is there has to be this tempering because I see this England squad being ripe, ready to go when you know in in World Euro twenty four or World Cup twenty six. That's when I really see them coming into it and, and, and really showing what they're worth. However, we know with time, everyone said that this is a cliche that everyone says they'll come ripe in three, four years. It doesn't always work like that because players fall by the wayside, out of form, get injured. And then those those promising moments that we all saw disappear. We've seen it a lot. I mean, look at when Jack Wilshire uh, was absolutely donning the pitch for Arsenal and he was... Uh, controlling the midfield, he disappeared without a trace. Deli Ali, he was going to be the next big thing. Disappeared. Ross Jesse Barclay. Lingard, Ross Barkley. You know, we've seen players of. Now, I appreciate the standard now. Phil Foden, very high in a Pep Guardiola side, but he's only been starting in the Premier League regularly since January. I'm still a bit <laughs> shocked he won't be a very young player of the year, but <laughs> he did. Uh, Mount. Uh, to be fair, a bit more longevity, been doing it for two years, and there's still a few tweaks hit to his game for him to get to that next level, particularly with his finishing, I think, and his final pass. Um, mainly his finishing, his final pass is quite good, actually. Um, so they are on a pedestal, and they do seem to be a little bit better than some of the names we just mentioned, but let's not forget how much hype some of the names we just mentioned were. I remember Deli Ali was being in the same breath as some unbelievable names from the past. I think Paul Gascoigne was linked with Ali, wasn't he? That kind of nonchalance just off the forward. And look what's happened now. Football, we all seem to think players are just going to get better and better, but it's never a foregone conclusion. So when I say 24, 2024, 2026, that's all with the fingers and the toes crossed. And we know full well that quite often it never works out as we as we imagine it does. Yeah, the, the likelihood is that we won't have the same team. And the prediction that we'll maybe make now for what the team might look like then will be completely different. I think I actually saw a, a prediction from 2016 of what the squad would look like in 2020. And it had the likes of Deli Alley, of Ross Barkley in there, and they're falling to the wayside a little bit. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, you're absolutely right with that. Uh, do you think we'll get out of the group? Yes. I yes, think comfortably. I think, I, I think, as you say, I think Scotland are okay. I think we should finish with Scotland, but I think Czech Republic people are underrating. I feel like I'm could, not sure. It could cause problems, you know. I, Obviously, the fact that third place can get through means if we don't get through, then there's a big issue. Because if you, really, if you win one game, you should be getting through. Really, well, it's 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 the third, it's the highest third place. I think it's, is it the top four third places? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But if, really, if you win a game, and, and you it should be four points, isn't it? Four points, yeah, really. Because you'd have you'd have second and third would be on four, and then first would be a bit higher. I think. Ish. Yeah. Roughly, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think Scotland could be problematic. Not only for the fact that it's a, it's a game where, um, where where you it's know it's got the rivalry, but it, they're also like I, like I touched on before. They've also got a, Steve Clark's a very good manager. Uh, they've got they're in very good hands there. They're also uh, you know the scattered across that eleven is a lot of good quality. McTom and I, I I'm, I'm repeating, but. Tierney, Robertson, McTominay, uh, McGinn, and as I, as I said before, Che Adams. Don't sniff at Che. Don't sn- uh, stick your nose up at Che Adams. This is a, you know a, a quite a, a regular starter in the Premier League who, who's who started firing goals this year. Again, this is a good for Scotland. That's a really good 
find often Scotland. I know the, the, in the past it's been Kenny Miller who's been doing well in the Scottish League, but to get someone who's been doing really well in the Premier League, uh, albeit not quite with Miller's numbers, but different standard, they and Ryan Fraser as well as an impact kind of so I know he's not had the best season, but again these are these are these are names that have been in the Premier League. They've done quite well, and when they put on the Scotland shirt, you'd imagine that they're going to give one hundred and twenty percent against England. That could be a playing at Wembley. Yeah, could be quite a troublesome game. You say Czech Republic as well, obviously. Um, Sue Fal and Sue Czech and. I mean, they're they're the ones that spring to mind, particularly how well they've done with West Ham and him whipping balls in and coming on at the end. Matej Vidra as well. Suchek's actually been in the goals for the Czech Republic more Mm. recently as well. He's he's really popped up with quite a few. So that could cause problems. I think, I I do think we should get out of the group. I I should say the fact that we, if we win, (laughs) I think that Gareth Southgate needs to make sure that his players want to win the group. Oh, well, that's a good start, isn't it? That's a good start. If we, yeah, but yeah. I, I, think lose danger, it? I think there's a danger of people saying, oh, we need to come second here. Uh, and it can take your mind off it a little bit. I, I think that he needs to instill that into them and make sure that that is, that is the goal. Because if you're going to win the tournament, you need to beat the best. And I think it's one of France, Germany or Portugal. I think Scotland could get one of the third places for the top four. I do. I actually think there's something there for them. Um, I, I do think the Czech Republic are the weakest team. I do, generally, of that group. Uh, and I don't think Croatia are quite as strong as they were two years ago because, obviously, Rakitic has gone, Sebasic has gone, Mandzukic have got they've all retired. Obviously, still Modric there as well, but and he's obviously going to be one of the carriers for Croatia like he, uh, like he, like he always has been. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think they quite have the same threat, say that now. Uh, and it'll come back to bad. <laughs> I, I don't think they have quite the same threat that they did two years ago. I think England increased quality-wise quite a lot from two from two years, yeah. uh, three years ago. Sorry, from three years ago. But still, be quite a tough game because again, there is quality in that team, and you only need to think, as I said, back to 2018 where they where they obviously went to the final. Um, and then Scotland's a very tough game. I don't think any of the games will be easy, but I would imagine still that England. They should quali- They should win the group and they, they will qualify, I think. And I do think they'll probably qualify top based on the fact that individual quality in the attacking third, if they get a chance, they're more likely to take it than some of the other teams as well. Um, and I mean, re- I mean, Czech Republic got my striker in Mateusz Vidra as well from Burnley. And, and, and I'd love to see him score. But again, it does show it does show the difference in golfing class when, and I love Vidra and I think he's a great, great player, works really tirelessly hard, but compare that to the finishing of some of the likes of England's forwards and whatnot. There is, there is a big gulf. Um, There was no excuses really. England should win the group and that's probably for worse as opposed to for better, because I think if they win the group, I'm almost certain, I'm not, there's a lot of quality there, but I would, I would be more on the line of it's a last 16 exit. If, England win the group. Uh, unfortunately, I completely agree. It's the it's the rock and a hard place because you want to win the group, but if you win the group, it's it could be curtains. Because uh, as optimistic as I am as an England fan, I, I just don't think we have the same quality of any of the three teams that I've mentioned before: France, Germany, and Portugal. Yeah, and yeah. That that would not be a game I'd be looking forward to as an England fan. No, and the problem is as well, like because people don't really take it that into account. People only see where you finish in the tournament. So when England finished in the semi-finals, it was euphoria, wasn't it, in 2018 of the World Cup? Oh, it was euphoria. Yeah. But 
everyone still says, well, it was an easy, it was an easy road up there, which it was. And, you know, the fixtures were kind then, but no one really mattered. No one really cared too much. Still, it's about the semi-final of the World Cup. It's not about the road there. So, yeah. likewise, here, it's the last 16. It's not how hard it was. It, it's the last 16. So, with that comes a lot of scrutiny. And if that does happen, uh, which we don't know, and we don't want to be pessimistic, but if the last 16 exit does happen, is that really sackable or, or, or offence or something what Gareth Southgate should be held to account for? Because if we're saying this now, you know... Yeah, and we yeah. are supposedly responsibility, and we've both said that we think the squad is pretty much as good as he could have picked. If England, if, if England win that group, they I think they're facing the winners of the European Championships or possible finalists of the European Championships in that last sixteen clash. So that yeah, tells that you where, you know, the, the level that we could be playing at. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's a tough one whether whether he'd be sacked for that. It's. I think if if we didn't get out of the group, that would be 100% a sackable offence, mm, no mm. matter what. Absolutely. However, as you say, if we were to get knocked out by a France, by a Germany, by a Portugal, I think there's... I, I think the media would get him sacked, honestly. But I, I, I could personally see, say that, yeah, it's more understandable. Build it, build for the future from here. But I, I do think the media would hound him out. Mm. And, and, and again, just to sort of summarise this as well, is it, do, you, do you agree with my overall uh, hypothesis that there is a media overhyping again with this England team beyond what this should be? Or should we should we be excited? Or do you think, hang on a second, there, it's a bit like the golden generation, isn't it? Everyone said the golden generation should have won something. But yeah. then someone else said, yeah, but what about France team with Zidane and Vieira? Yeah. And, I think about people, with, with that, people also look back at certain players with with almost a nostalgia and only remember the, the the best the best of them almost. But yeah, no, I think right now, I think people are maybe overestimating the quality of some of the, particularly the younger players, and they are almost seeing the potential now. So the likes of Phil Foden, I think people are looking at him as the the one to turn to no matter what. And yeah. if he maybe has an off game, people might look at that and say, "Oh, he's not that good. He's he's, oh, he's not that good." My question to you would be, how many world-class players are in that England squad right now? Two. Kane and... Walker. Yeah, fair. I'd probably tend to agree. Kane, Kane and... and probably I would have Walker. said three then, if Alexander Arnold, but he's not yeah, there. So. Exactly. And then compare that to the likes of Germany, France, Portugal that we mentioned. I think they have far more than that. Far more than two, three you can't maybe be too overly optimistic that we're going to beat those teams. But we'll see. Once the tournament starts, I'll be saying it's coming home every day. Yes. Well, that's that's kind of proverbially how it works. I think we might do one more in England and then summarise the rest, really, because obviously England's yeah. the kind of the kind of emphasis here, even though half of the audience by viewers is American. Uh, you must understand um, that, that, that this is sort of our sort of... This is what all the punters are talking about. So it makes sense really now to look at starting 11s, really, because uh, I touched on it mm -hmm. a bit before. And it, it really boils. We've done this a bit before. And personally, I, I, I'm of the opinion that starting 11s really should be dependent on the opposition. So, for example, yeah. if you're playing a really big team, like in the last 16, then you're probably going to play with a back three and it's probably going to stay quite quite predominantly as a back three to keep that organisation 
well, obviously by doing that, you're going to drop one, one of your creative players and you might even play with a bit more pace in those three forward areas. So maybe a Sterling or a Rashford or a Sancho, even though he's struggling in that England shirt at the moment a little bit. Um, whereas against maybe Scotland, for example, or even the Czech Republic, they might sit deeper. And then it'd make sense to maybe go four, two, three, one, four, three, three, mm-hmm. and have Grealish, Mount, Foden, players like that who aren't maybe quite as rapid and accent and, 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 and speedy as the likes of Rashford and Sterling. But on the ball, they move with it and they take players on and they can create openings in a way that Sterling and Rashford are more running onto balls and trying to stretch teams, whereas these are more, yeah. you know, you don't need to do that against a deep defence that aren't going to get stretched. I, I do think either way, we, we need to have two wingers and hurricane. Obviously, mm. there's a question mark over which two wingers, but no matter what, I think that, that that should be something that happens no matter what. I think, as you say, the big question is whether we play a three at the back or a four at the back. And yeah. my opinion differs from what I think Gareth Southgate will do. Yeah. Well, so, well me, we don't like that, do we? Because when I tried to play this game, you went, oh... Well, I don't, I don't understand the question. So when you say, I didn't, what no, you, I, I understood the question. I just preferred to, to answer it my own way. To go on. So, so for me, I, I've always been more of a fan of a back four, and particularly a four-three-three. I, I think that it suits the England team quite well. However, I think that we, particularly with Harry Maguire out, I think that's and, and this is kind of understandable. I think that Southgate will play with a back three and have it how he did, how he found success at, at the uh, World Cup. So but, I think... That, like Glenn yeah. Hoddle said, though, with that, um, I think there was a bit of a... There was, the floor to that was, in the bigger games, the wing-backs were like, were, were in a back five. And then when the central midfielders came, uh, the midfield got overran. Um, and they were just, and because they were so deep, they were just whipping balls in from deeper Croatia, and that's how particularly how Mandzukic scored as well, with uh, yeah. where he got one over Walker. So there were definite flaws to that, and, and he suggested, and, and as, as my sort of innovative team selection that I put on Twitter suggested, <laughs> very innovative, very innovative. Um, obviously, when the the the, the wing backs have to be like right and left midfield, and they have to they have to push higher, a bit like Thomas Tuchel with Chelsea, isn't it? Everyone well, says the back three. We we just happened to have the two wing backs that he used to win the Champions League final. So yeah, you've got you've got two players that are certainly capable of doing that on the biggest mm-hmm. stage. Obviously, in that game, they did play more defensively. They weren't getting forward quite as much, particularly Chilwell. I, I think James got got quite far forward, but yeah, Chilwell wasn't wasn't really that adventurous. So if we were to do that, I, I think James would be my first choice wing back. Yeah, I think there is that, but then you could have James as the right centre-back and Trippier maybe, or even, yeah, or, or as you say, Walker as the right centre-back and James or Trippier as the right wing back. That would be, yeah, that would be my preferred, I think. I think a back three of Walker, Stones, and then this is the, this is the trouble position, is the left centre-back. Yeah. Obviously, Harry Maguire would be the first choice, but, Beyond that, where do you go? Tyro Mings? He's maybe well, the again, only man that can. No, but there's another way of looking at it, which is weird. But Ben White prefers right centre-back. So if he went to right centre-back and then you had Stones at centre-centre-back of a, of a back three, you'd have Luke Shaw as a left centre-back who's played there quite a lot 
and for Man United when they used to play in a back three, and you'd have Shaw as the left centre back, and then you'd have Chilwell as the left wing back. And Shaw's quite a his defensive analysis improved astronomically, particularly under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, yeah. where he has played there a few times. And the only, but the only obvious caveat to that is, and what you can't do, obviously, people will say, why can't you play Walker at right centre back and, and Shaw at left centre back? Well, you can't do that because obviously. Then if the, if the system shifts to a back four, Shaw's literally a centre-back. Whereas if you've got Shaw as a set left centre-back, if it's just to a back four, he goes to a left-back and it's all comfortable and then the two centre-backs. So that's why he can't play two full-backs yeah. predominantly. No, you you do that. certainly need the two centre-backs for that fluidity. Uh, so yeah, for me, it would be a back four, but yeah. I think you'll go with a back five. Uh, yeah. I think the obvious choice is Pickford in goal. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I'll tell you what as well. I think... Out. Uh, and what he did, what he did uh, in the game, uh, in the uh, in the game against Austria, uh, with it, and it just justifies everything I've always said. So I won't waffle on too much. But his, his distribution is on another level to any other England goalkeeper. Yep. It is top five in the Premier League. Always said that he moves it with such effortlessness, and it's the short passes, the mid-range passes with pace, long balls up with pace. Not donkey droppers, they're straight there. And, it, and it's lovely to see not many goalkeepers can do that. And that's yeah. his best quality by some distance. And on top of that, he could also take a penalty and has taken a penalty in the past. So if need be, then he's one yeah. of your five. Um, yeah. The, the one concern with Pitford, and it's something that I've noticed as an Everton fan over the years, is that the one worry is when balls are crossed high into the box, he struggles, he sometimes flaps at them. So that's, that's the one thing that is a worry. The crosses need to be stopped at source. And so we need the fullback to be really on it. Yeah. And that's maybe yeah. one advantage of the back five. Yeah. yeah. Well, for me, it's different. So I, as, as I said, my innovative team, which I'll just talk you through quickly again, okay, very quick. Pickford, and this was including Trent Alexander-Arnold. So when I did this, so you can switch it around who you want, but it would have been Pickford and Goal. Hmm? So, so lightly switching this for Walker and James then? Yeah. Yeah, so James was at right centre-back because I think he's got all the attributes to do that. But uh, And then he shifted right back in my fluid system of wonder. But if uh, if if it was Walker, then Walker would be right centre-back, James would be right wing-back. And then you'd have uh, Stones as your, as your centre-back. This was with Maguire at left centre-back because I thought he might be fit yeah, at this point. And that's the problem. So, And in my ideal squad, I'd have had Tamori there personally, yeah. but he's not available which is quite irritating so in this situation again it's difficult it really is i'd be even tempted to go white on the on the uh on the left center back even though it's not yeah. natural for him like i said before it almost makes me want to go white at right center back stones at center center back and then and then short left center back just for the balance sake and because yeah. short, they're all quite capable but that would be a, a, a variation of some white one of those which is three of them. <laughs> then you'd have James or Trippier at right wing back. Now Trent Alexander Arnold's not there. Chilwell at left wing back. I think he takes over takes that position over Shaw all day long anyway because he's been doing it for so long at Chelsea. As, yeah, as a wing back, I think I agree. Yeah. As, as yeah. A, if it's as an out and out left back, I think I'd push towards Shaw. But yeah. yeah. Rice and Bellingham, I think, pick themselves at this point. I think Bellingham's been outstanding. Yeah. Um, and if you ask a, a bit... few question mark in Bellingham, actually. Uh, and whether Henderson should start ahead of him? No, no. Uh, I, I'm with you actually. I, I I think Bellingham's fantastic, and I think that a lot of energy as well. A player that capable, that young, and needs to play. He, yeah. he played for most of the teams in the Euros. He's a really, really top talent. Technically, so gifted. 
And then I'd probably go, well, I did have it Mount Kane and Foden. However, Grealish's kind of performances pre-games, it makes you think Mount Grealish came, really. Um, mm. in, in that, It's possible. Again, there's a lot of room for manoeuvre there. And that was my innovative team. Just to touch on a separate team, which I would have gone with a 4-2-3-1, yep. a bit more pragmatic, it'd probably be Pickford, Walker, Stones, White. Yep. Shaw, um, Rice, Bellingham slash Henderson, but I'd prefer Bellingham at this point. One for fitness, two for how how much he's he's how excellent he's been at such a young age. I think he offers a bit more X factor than Henderson, as much as Henderson's great for his leadership. Maybe Henderson for a bigger game if if you know it's a tough tough yeah. game. Relations um, tournament, yeah, yeah. And then you'd have, and then I think you'd probably go. Well, I think I'd go. Mm, Grealish <laughs> Grealish is pushing his way into all my thinking now because of just because of his momentum and how he's how he's took on this challenge when others haven't. Yeah, Mount has to play. And then I'm almost tempted to even throw Sterling back in because not because he's been he's obviously been poor form, but there must be a fire in his belly to get to prove people doubters wrong at this point. He's been he's out of the city frame for quite a while. Regularly played very well yeah. for England when called yeah. upon. So for me, I I put the wingers into two categories, and it's the the ones that are capable the good of getting in behind and the bad, and looking, <laughs> the good and the bad. Yeah, the ones that are capable of getting in behind, and the ones that are maybe better getting on the ball as much as they can and affecting it in the middle of the pitch. And so because of that, I think that one of Sterling or Rashford, who are the two that are maybe more capable of getting mm. behind, one of those two should start, particularly in in the games where you're you're going to be able to break teams down uh, on the break. Obviously, if you're playing against a team that is playing a deep lot, that's less of an issue. But I, I think that one of those two maybe needs to start, and I would edge towards Sterling, whether that's on the right or the left. It's a shame, really, because I think all of our wingers are, are maybe better on the left. <laughs> Got the opposite issue of the right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah, like I said. So, for example, a deep lot, you'd probably favour people like Mount and Grealish and Foden, even playing all of them because they aren't, you know. They are really good on the ball, close quarters, dragging people in, picking yeah, a pass. Particular, I think he's so good in tight space, isn't he? I think he's the one that you would want to get into that maybe number 10 position and unlock the door against a, a deeper block. But then you could argue against a team where you're going to have less of the ball, maybe even in the last 16. There's an argument Rashford and Sterling just for the fact you can boop, yeah. ping balls. And, 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 get in, get and one over the top and you're in behind because they've got so much pace and they're willing runners, whereas I don't think the others are maybe as willing to, to get in behind. I mean, Sancho one thing maybe. about one thing about this England squad, as much as I am pessimistic about longevity and getting to those latter stages, there is a lot of depth, which which you can tell now. And when people say this is my eleven, I don't buy it. I don't think there is a, a set eleven. I think there's so much mm-hmm. you can do with it, and it all depends on certain. But that's there's all that's also the point there is there isn't, and this sort of. You could see this maybe as a negative, but because I only think there's maybe two, maybe three world-class players in that England setup, it means that, yeah, there's a lot of depth, a lot of competition for places, but no one's necessarily saying that's my spot. There's only Kane yeah. really who's saying that's yeah. my spot. The rest, you can you can pick, you can pick cons, uh, pros and cons for all the options. Whereas in some, like for a France, maybe, you're just picking pros for quite, like a Kante you can't, and a Pogba and a Benzema and a Mbappe. You, you can't take them out of the team. But yeah. with England, there's only Kane, and Grealish is pushing himself into that. But really, there's only Kane. You can say you'd be gobsmacked he if he wasn't has here. To start. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that it's good that we have so much quality in depth on the wings because I think that if you're making late subs, I think they're, they're the positions that you want to be subbing on quality. You want to be subbing on some a little bit of pace, some legs against the tired legs of the, the, the opposition fullback. So it's maybe one of the better positions to have that strength in depth. Uh, and I mean, imagine you coming up against Raheem Sterling, coming on with fresh legs in the 80th minute. Be horrible. Doing remote, doing roulettes over him and stuff, you know. I'm world <laughs> class, me. Uh, looks like playing before today, all over the pitch like a gazelle. Um, uh, absolutely. absolutely. But, no, I would say just to, just on just a sort of negative, kind of a not half negative to finish really on that is that, and, and almost sticking up for Gareth Southgate in the way because you've got so many options and very few sticking out that have to start because there's a lot of pros and cons for both. Not many just with pros and have to start. That means that surely no one can really pick an eleven that everyone agrees with, like you can with other teams, and that tells you that there's a bit of. There's still a bit of soul searching to do in this England in this England setup, mm-hmm. isn't there? So you can't be expected to get to the la- far latter stages when you're you still soul searching in so many positions. Do you think that could be used against him? Uh, come I don't think it team? should because I I've seen. Um, listen, I, I'm not going south. I'm I'm not anti Gareth Southgate. I'm not pro Gareth Southgate. I'm just I'm just I'm just sort of in the middle, and I, I'd like to I, I try try and treat every situation fairly. And to be honest, I, I'm pro Gareth Southgate. While well, he's England manager, I, I don't think it's right to be to be anti Gareth Southgate. And his job, Marley's done it. And also, and and if it's used against him, I've I've not seen a pundit. There've been about 20, 20 million pundits pick their uh, England eleven. I've, I've barely seen them two the same. You know, yeah. So. That that tells you all you need to know. I've had I've seen some I've seen some high profile pundits pick some ridiculous teams which just don't oh, make I've sense. I've seen people I've seen people putting Walker at left centre back. It's it, some yeah. people that don't, don't put a single bit of thought into to where players yeah. are actually have yeah. played and where they could play. Yeah. It's just because he can play as a right centre back in a three yeah. doesn't mean he can suddenly fill in for no, Maguire. Even ex players and you know I've seen ridiculously attacking formations. I've seen some good teams. I've seen some questionable. And these are ex players who study the game. They played the game for years. Ex managers. I don't think that should be labelled at him. I think it will be. I think he'll come in for a lot of criticism if. Like I might, yeah. like I think it might not be quite as good as some people are thinking. I think he'll get the criticism for it. He's the manager, and that happens. I think that'll be harsh, and he might, he might. Have, the media might have him out of a job. Would be a shame. I think there's a lot still to do with this squad, and it shouldn't all be put at the, at the manager's door. I don't think. On to the final topic now. So nothing about England now. Nothing about England and everything about everyone else. Um, and what general thoughts for the tournament, really? Obviously, the six groups, it's an expanded tournament, so it's a little bit bigger. You've got quite a few group third uh, place teams going through. I, I think best place to go, really, we've touched on it a bit before, Group F, Group of Death, France, Germany, Portugal, all vying for a, a top two spot. And if they get third, they'll probably go through as well. If they can get three or four, probably four points for security. Uh, and Hungary, poor Hungary, Peter Galashi uh, in the, uh, you know, RB Leipzig goalkeeper, very good goalkeeper, probably the the the, the standout name on the Hungary team sheet. He's going to have his and, work cut I'm out. Not, I'm going to absolutely butcher his name, but Shlozabalai, I think yeah, also. <laughs> but his name. People won't even know uh, what I'm talking about, will they? No, but good winger, one to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, you, you do feel for. I mean, for, from those three, it's really so. You got the World Cup winners of 2014, the Euro, the Euro holders from from 2016, yep. and France, the World Cup winners from the last World Cup. So, uh, of the last three tournaments, yep, 
That's right. Yeah. Of the last three tournaments, you've got the three winners of the last three major tournaments in international football, uh, at least so involving true. European teams, at least. Um, so that is that is that is a sight for it's crazy, really. And, uh, and one thing that was gone, go I was just going to say, Jordan. One thing that was raised to me was how how much Portugal have improved since the last one. The year. Just about to say that. <laughs> that was precisely the point I was about to make. The fact that they're the holders, and and yet last time they played, I mean, a lot of the players that have maybe come through now weren't playing. I mean, Adair was the one that got the, the winning goal in the final and he's nowhere to be seen. That but wasn't Adair. It was a, it was a long it shot. Was, yeah, very good. Yeah. Nice. Um, but now you've got so much, haven't you? You've got, uh, like you say, Cancelo, some people, uh, many people's right back of the season, even though some people did think so. It still got into many team of the seasons. I think the Athletic got into that team of the season, had a really right. good season at Manchester City, Ruben Diaz, PFA Player of the Year, uh, Pepe, just a just a legend of the game, experience more than any almost anyone at centre back. Jose um, Font as a backup as well, who's just won right. the league in France. Patricio, Re Patricio, arguably as uh, you know, consistent really as, as most international goalkeepers. He's not had the best season with Wolves, but very, very, you know, experienced, resi- yet resilient goalkeeper. Uh, no, not many. He's one of those, not many thrills, but certainly not many spills. He's a steady Eddie uh, Repetuccio. Yeah. I always thought yeah. that. Nice bit spirit, um, yeah. Yeah, but it's the it's the attacking areas. Uh, Diogo Jota, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, Jao Felix. It's scary. It really is quite scary, and and um, you know, often sometimes Jao Felix is on the bench, like he's for his club, and that's all that's manning from both perspectives. But for Portugal, probably a bit more understandable because they've just got so much talent. Yeah, and, and the fact that you can sub him on at sixty minutes, as I've said before, when you've got attackers that are that that quick and, and the feet are that fast, it's just so, such a, a morale buster to the to the opposition defence as well. It, Seeing him coming on is just going to be a frightening prospect for anyone. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then you've got Germany after that as well, who've got maybe the strongest midfield in the competition. I think uh, Goretzka and Kimmich in particular, Tony Kroos, Thomas Muller. It's a frightening side that. Yeah, I mean the the winner will probably it. <laughs> Italy are a dark horse, as I touched on before we came on. Italy are a team that haven't lost since 2018 and haven't conceded a competitive goal since 2020. They are in phenomenal form. They play, they, they can switch between a back three and a four three three. That midfield of Giorginio, Verratti and Barella is probably as good as it gets, really, I think, in terms of controlling and dictating the midfield yeah, in, uh, in, in international strange, football. Yeah. Defensively, maybe not, not as good as some of the others, but yeah. Very, really? Very good. Really? Oh, well, I, oh yeah. Say, yeah. I mean, at the base, yeah. Mm, I think I, I think they've got I mean Mancini's also a very solid manager, isn't he? Great, great C V. Uh, you know, obviously title winner back way back when with Manchester City. He's been in charge of the Italian team for a few years now, uh, steadily building up their fun because they've had a bit of an exodus, haven't they, Italy, for a while. They've not been quite on it. They struggled to really get going, they've lacked the 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 talent coming through, but as I say, that that's a really solid midfield three. The goal, Donnarumma, fantastic goalkeeper, yeah. uh, defense um, as well. You've got a mix of experience and 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 younger player there as well. You still got Bonucci and Chiellini around. So I do think that, and obviously up front, Immobile and uh, Bellotti, particularly Immobile, on fire in yeah. Serie A this yeah. season. Um, so he's had a great season. On top of that, Insigne's had a good season again. 
it's a dangerous it's a dangerous side i just don't think it's maybe on the level of of your french your portugal and your germany i think they'll go far though i think they've got quite a relatively the the group's not too hard yeah you know in, in group a it's turkey switzerland and wales feasibly they win all three games because they they are in such good form they haven't conceded a goal in a long time and on paper they don't look like particularly challenging games of course it's very different at the tournament but not sure and how they'll do. To play, if they win that group, they're likely to play second in Group B, which could be it's likely to be Denmark, Finland, or Russia, which again yeah. you'd expect them to get through that as well. Much yeah. easier than the, the prospective opposition of England. Yeah, just touching on uh, we touched on a few teams there, Belgium as well. Uh, maybe without Kevin De Bruyne to begin with, I just I don't really see Belgium again with Roberto Martinez. It's not about the managers particularly at international level, but. The defence isn't quite in its prime. So you've still got the likes of Vertonghen there and Vermaal and, uh, sorry, yeah. um, um as well. Uh, Denia, though, I think, there. So there's a bit, there's a bit, there's a bit of a bit of speed, a bit of a bit of something in that back three. But again, it's still aged. It's still quite old, and there's still there's still a bit of there looks to be a bit of rust quite across the whole squad. But then you've got brilliant players like Eden Hazard. Obviously, De Bruyne when he's fit, Lukaku, Castagna's yeah. also come, come, you know, developed a lot at Leicester as well. So, and Courtois is a, a good top keeper, but it just seems to be something lacking a little bit with Belgium. I always feel not quite the same level of balance across the pitch that some of the other teams do have. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I mean they've got a good midfield as well. Yuri Tielemans is a fantastic yeah. midfielder. I, I think that with Belgium, the the big thing is Lukaku because I think mm. that he's he he's someone that I think could win the uh, the Golden Boot. Obviously, mm. it depends how far they get in the tournament, but I think he's a player. He's really stepped up this season. We've been through it before, but for Inter, he's really stepped up and he's been the guy that they can look to when they need him. And and I think that he's capable of doing that for Belgium as well. So uh, even though the squad maybe isn't quite as good, I think he's gone up a level and I think that he's capable of carrying the team a little bit more than he could have in the past. Yeah. So a few predictions then on this so far then. So in terms of winner of the tournament we've sort of touched on a few names there is there anyone else you'd like to throw into the hat not really yeah so who are your favorites then just out of interest i think france france are the favorites obviously france are my favorites, but... <laughs> but i think i have a sneaky suspicion that portugal might do it one they've already That's done it and two they've got a really good blend of youth experience and a couple of, I mean, Bruno Fernandes in his prime years, Ronaldo experience, but still ridiculous performer, Pepe experience, Diaz, phenomenal season, PFA, you know, it's littered full of talent with a massive age spectrum. Obviously, France are favourites, obviously, but yeah. uh, Fernando Santos has been with uh, Portugal since 2014 as well. And I think he's he's been, he's been with this team a while. They... Didn't play particularly well at Euro 2016, but with this, he's never had a better Portugal squad. He's never managed a better squad, and absolutely not. No, and he's he's already won. He's already a tournament winning manager. So the, there is that does make me think Portugal. Uh, I think essentially it'll be from Group F, but I don't think Germany will do it because even though it's like Jurgen Lowe's last da- throw of the dice, which is you know. I, I don't I think they'll fall a bit short and as well with 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 that bringing Hummels back in bringing Muller back in will help them for this tournament 
with madness getting rid of them, but it was almost like he was trying to build a new dynasty as the national team mm-hmm. manager started afresh. And the, then the quality coming through maybe just wasn't quite at the level that he'd been gotten used to. And then he, when he realised he was getting sacked anyway, he just thought, oh, why yeah. not? This isn't my problem now. Let's bring the old guys back. And you've seen what, you saw what when Nico Kovac left Bayern and uh, Hansi Flick came in. First thing Hansi Flick did was bring Muller back into the tent and it changed the fortunes up front dramatically. And one of the best number 10 players, I think, in world football. But yeah, no, for me, I would go, I would go Portugal. I sit when I say Portugal, I think France are the favourites. So obviously I wouldn't be surprised if France won, but yeah. depending on I how think... the fixtures fall as well. If if Portugal gets second, yeah. I, I've mapped a way out where they, it's not too bad a route to the final. And when they get to them latter stages, they've got the big game players. Yeah. Two, so you think maybe second it. in the group is the, the one to watch in that whoever finishes second. Well, they play England. And that's a difficult game. If England won, they would play England in my eye, in my if England won or whoever wins England's group. Um, but I think that following that as well, it's an easier run. I think if Portugal were to uh, were to come, I think I had I had them in third. I think France would probably win the group. I had them in third, and, and and then you're taking on teams like Italy, and I think Italy are going to be really challenging. Italy, I think, could get to the semis. You know, they they might fall short at the end when it comes down to individual quality in the final third. But then you've got Insigne, Chiesa, Immobile, and then Bellotti on the bench. There's so much talent there, but it's not quite in the echelons of, of Ronaldo and, and Mbappe that, that the others have. You, you seem surprised with Italy, so I'd say they would be my surprise shout. I'd say yeah, that... They're maybe a, bit, a little bit of a dark horse, aren't they? And Denmark. Denmark, I think, could have a... Depending on how it goes... Denmark could have a, a relatively easy tournament, uh, a re- relatively easy tournament, a relatively good tournament, sorry, uh, a relatively good yeah. tournament. Again, so my, be- my dark horse would be maybe Ukraine, actually, just because I think they've got a group of really exciting wingers and I think that their, their group isn't too bad. They've got Austria, North Macedonia and the Netherlands. That's a Netherlands team that is managed by De Boer, yeah. who I don't think is maybe on it. I, Look, I don't think they're going to win a lot, but I just think they might go. They might get through. They'll, I've got them to win the group. Yeah, I've got them to win the group. Above the Netherlands, do you? Yeah, I is think the boys. The boys like the boys like a curse. Um, yeah, he is, and no Van Dyke is is big, and and and, and Jasper Schillerson's now not in the not involved, and there's been a bit of an issue there where he had COVID <laughs> and he's out of the squad, and it's all a bit strange, uh, and he's not happy. And for some reason, whatever Frank the boy does, does just seems to go wrong. And it's yeah. not necessarily <laughs> filled anyone with confidence. I don't think many Netherlands fans are particularly confident going into this. And they should be because there's a lot of exciting young players. I don't think it's a, it's a tournament winning squad, but I think it's a squad that should be competing and they should, should win that group. group at the very least, yeah. They should win. I think they'll go up in the group. They'll probably go up in the top two because it's quite yeah. a straightforward group on yeah, paper. It's, it's but Perhaps the easiest group, but yeah. But, I, I think Ukraine could could surprise a few. Uh, well, clearly not surprise you, but surprise a few people. Well, the Netherlands would be my team to who will flop. I think you yeah. know there's a lot of expectation. I think they could flop. I actually think Belgium might. I I, I think Denmark could potentially win that group because okay. without Kevin De Bruyne early on, lacking that fluidity. I know we've got Tielemans as well, uh, who, who's also good at knitting things together, but. They reliant heavily, I think, Belgium on like 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 I said before, like England, like everyone, they reliant on their individuals. And De Bruyne is one of the best. When he's not, if he's not quite ready at the start, could affect that momentum a little bit. They have been a bit slow in in, in past tournaments, uh, in, in certain matches. It depends. It depends if the players want to turn up, doesn't it? Like your hazards and whatnot. But I think I've been impressed with Denmark. 
really solid group, defensively organised, back to front, some good, some solid names across the board, and Paulson up front as well, capable of uh, banging in a couple of goals, Braithwaite as well, really solid. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, just, just for mine, and, and you can do yours now, uh, I, I, and as, a, as, a, as an add-on, I think, golden boot, I'm going to stick my neck out again and go, Karim Benzema, man with a desire to get amongst the goals after a long absence from the France national team, come back, and uh, I think he, I think that he could really surprise it. Well, not surprise a few because everyone thought he should have been there, but there was that controversy. Yeah. So I think he could be with a vengeance attacking this tournament. Okay. So Benzema, player, Golden player Boot, tournament. wouldn't that be the same thing? For me, I think it will be France. I think that yeah. their team is just so good. When uh, one of the, one of the best indicators, and it's something that one of my friends said, it, it, the, the team is that good, and Kanté in particular is that good, is that you can have Pogba playing as a deep line midfielder and it doesn't cost the team defensively. So yeah. when you can, when, when you've got Kante who's good enough to allow that to happen, you know you've got a really good side. So I think France will win. I think Mbappe, top scorer. I know he's not playing, maybe not as the actual number nine because that'll be Benzema, but I just think that he's, he's such a big game player and I think Benzema's maybe well aware that Mbappe is the key man for France now. So I think he might step aside slightly and, and maybe... Mbappé will be the, the guy to go to. And I think Kante will be player of the tournament. I was going to say Kante. Plus crowning gonna... his Ballon d'Or, potentially. And hang on, who's your, who's your flop team, team to flop? I mean, if I say Spain, is that is that not expected? I mean, England, I could argue, would, would could be in there. And, and the Netherlands... Well, yeah, I think if they the go Netherlands out in the round of 16. Yeah, the yeah. Netherlands stick out to me as a team that will flop. And England, possibly... Although I don't know if that's a flop if you consider who they're playing, but I would. Netherlands stick out to me as the team that could flop a bit. Belgium as well, I think, actually, possibly. I mean, there is, there is a potential scenario that one of France, Germany or Portugal could go out in the group. Because at the end of the day, we've said before, you, you may be going to get through with one win, but it's plausible that one of them could only get three points and get knocked out. So uh, one of them could be the flop as well. So we'll watch what, what, that. That's true. And what's worth remembering is Portugal won the last Euros after finishing third in their own group. Yeah, exactly. So it shows it can be done. There you go. So, uh, yeah, some some interesting. I think I'll go with Kante as well for player. I was thinking along those lines. If you got, I would think France would get to the final anyway. And it's whether they met Portugal there, I suppose. But I wouldn't be surprised if France won. I think, yeah, Benzema, uh, yeah, or Ronaldo, you know, he's got a point to prove, hasn't he? Yeah, always I thought about so, Ronaldo as well. Benzema or Ronaldo, we'll do a slash. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I do, I do think, um, yeah, I, I think, I think Kante's a good shout, especially the form he's in, he's man of the match in the Champions League final, man of the match in quite a few Chelsea matches, to be fair, when he's on the pitch and such an integral player for France, like you say, really good shout. What your friend said about Pogba as well. Um, yeah, I, I'll go, I'll go Kante as well. Uh, and that wraps that up. It was probably probably I probably should have done two two sections really on not we should have done one less on England, but um, that sort of wraps that together. Uh, Euros thoughts there. There'll be an update on Euros thoughts next week. It'll be a bit more enhanced. There'll be a bit of reaction to some of the games, although not too much reaction because as as episodes if they're too reactionary or too previewy, then they become irrelevant after Outdated. another event has happened. So it has to be quite cleverly put together by me. Um, so join us uh, again probably next week. Uh, I might style it up a bit. I might do it. Depends on what kind of a mood I'm in. And then you might have uh, 15-minute segments across the whole week as opposed to all together. Whoa. But uh, I don't want to uh, 
Don't, don't, don't know if I'm going to be that innovative just yet. Depends on what kind of a mood I'm in. Uh, at 15 Moth Pod for uh, any Twitter recommendations, please like, comment, review, subscribe. You can't really comment. Reply well, that to, is a comment. Like our tweets as well. Show, share yeah. with us your thoughts on, on our tweets. Or, no or write reviews. Nice reviews. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're I good. They are written by Johnny. I don't write, but I, it did sound like it, but I don't, I don't actually write because I can spell. Um, so yeah, um, and, and subscribe, subscribe, very, very important, very important that you subscribe because subscribe means you get the latest stuff, which is good. Uh, join us next week, week one updates, uh, and until then, stay safe. See you later, and uh, avoid any COVID variants. Won't want you to catch any of those. <laughs>